means more than we could possibly say that you have found us and are sharing with our church in this way. All of you in Cafe Worship, uh, Matt Betts, you guys are crazy. We love you so much. The cafe continues to grow. Worship in that room is incredibly rich, and uh, we thank you so much for making it uh, so important back there. God bless you guys. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. Just two verses this morning as we begin a brand new sermon series entitled Truth and Dare. Not truth or dare, truth and dare, truth and dare. We're going to talk about life outside your comfort zone as a believer. And honestly, lots and lots of us spend our entire lives inside the comfort zone. We're going to do what we can to push you a little bit outside your comfort zone for this very simple reason. It is important that you understand something. From 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, say these words with me. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This word is, say it again. Grow, grow, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm assuming that most of you in this room, in the cafe, probably many of you who are hearing this sermon on audio or video, you're a believer. You consider yourself a person who is in Jesus Christ. At some point in your life, you surrendered your life to him. You you gave your heart to him and you put your faith in him, however you want to say it. You consider yourself a Christian, but understand something. This is the normal Christian life that you would grow. You grow. You grow, first off, in grace. Grace, of course, is God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is God's giving to us what we could never, ever deserve. And so understand, we we grow in grace. It doesn't just save us. It continues to remake us and transform us every single day that we live in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we grow in grace. That is a continual reminder that the strength to change, the strength to be a better man, a better woman, that strength does not come from inside of us. It comes from him. It is a gift of grace. If you could do it without him, you wouldn't need a savior, understand? So we grow in grace every single day and we grow in, say the word, knowledge. We grow in knowledge. That doesn't just mean we're getting smarter and smarter because some of us ain't. It's not about so much getting smarter. It's the knowledge of Jesus. We're growing in the knowledge of Jesus, which just means in this wonderful relationship with him, I come to know him. I'm more familiar with him. I know his voice. I understand his ways. He's less and less of a distant stranger to me and more and more of a close friend, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the book of Peter, Peter says that in the knowledge of Christ comes everything we need for a life of of glory, everything we need for a life of righteousness, everything you need comes in simply knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the intention, the, the normal Uh, state of our lives as Christians is that we would be constantly growing. Now understand this, growing in Christ means that I know some things today that I didn't know yesterday, and I am able to do today what I was not able to do yesterday. We're talking about growing, you understand? So that means I'm going to know some things now that I didn't used to know then. I'm growing in knowledge, and I'm going to be able to do now what what I used to couldn't do then. I'm growing in grace. You understand? This is the normal Christian life. You're not supposed to stay where you are. You're not supposed to reach some moment, some magical moment in your life when when you no longer are moving forward with Christ, no longer growing in grace, no longer growing in knowledge. Unfortunately, that's the way most people are. 
Most people grow in their Christian lives to a point, and then they stop. Why do they stop? Why do people get stuck? Now, now chances are some of you in this house today, you're in that category. You you grew to a point and and then you stopped. So so why do you seem stuck? There's a couple of possibilities. Let, Let me offer to you the worst possibility first. And that is simply that maybe you're not a maybe you're not actually a Christian. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of my Father. So understand, there are people who think that they're believers, but they're not. They think that because they go to church, or they think because their grandmother was a Christian, they think because America is a Christian nation, God help us, that they think that that makes them a Christian. And you're painfully misinformed. If you believe that being a Christian has anything other than to do with simply surrendering your life and placing yourself in the hands of the Savior, Jesus Christ, you have to call upon his name, you understand, and surrender to him. So it's possible that you're not a believer at all. You should consider that possibility. It's also likely, though, that as a believer, you just simply have no intention to grow. That's not the way you think. That's not the way you're wired. That is not the trajectory that you're following. You just don't grow. You don't consider growing. You don't push yourself to grow. It's simply not even your intention. And if you are that person, understand that's not normal. You are not living out the the normal life of faith. It is never intended that you just stay as you are, even though maybe that's your intention. It's also possible that that your problem is actually the problem of the people you run with. Maybe everybody you hang around is just like you. And that gives you a false sense of what is normal. If you are constantly around people who are carnal, we used that word several weeks ago, Christians who are Christians in the flesh, Christians who live like the world, Christians who think like the world, and there are so many Christians like that. That it's possible that all the believers you know are just like you. They're not growing in grace and knowledge. They're not in any way trying to serve the Lord or surrender more and more of themselves to Christ. And if you are in a pocket of people who are like that, carnal Christians, that's going to seem normal to you. And therefore, you may not grow. I mean, the Proverbs say, if you walk with the wise, you become wise. But if you walk with fools, guess what? Understand? So the company you keep has a tremendous influence on the way things turn out for you. And the fact is, there's so many carnal, non-growing Christians in the world that when we all get together, we just continue to hold each other back. Y'all aren't making a sound this morning. Are you mad at me already? There's one other possibility, and that is simply that you don't do hard things. Maybe the reason you don't grow is because you don't do hard things. You like to take the easy way every day, and that includes in matters of your faith. You just have stopped going out of your way for anybody, including Jesus. If it's scary, you don't do it. If it's uncomfortable, you don't do it. If it's new, you don't try it. You don't step one inch outside your comfort zone. You don't do hard things. Understand this very, very important practical principle. Your Christian life shrinks or expands in direct relation to your everyday willingness to do hard things. It's bad news for some of you, isn't it? It's bad news. Your Christian life 
It shrinks or expands in direct relation to your willingness to do hard things, to do the things that don't come naturally for you, to do the things that make you uncomfortable, to do the things that make you anxious or nervous. Anything that Christ asks you to do that's new, anything that stretches you, anything that actually causes you to grow, it's probably going to be in your mind something like a hard thing. So understand, in the next few weeks, we're going to do some hard things together. We are going to identify those hard things in our lives, the things that Christ probably wants us to do, that we've always drawn the line and said, no, I'm, I'm not going there, I'm not doing that. Let's go back and find those things that Christ has asked us to do. Let's put our finger on the hard things and let's learn to do the hard things. Maybe that will set our hearts to growing again. Will you try it? Sermon series is called Truth and Dare. Every single week, we will take a very practical matter of truth for the Christian life. In today's case, the necessity of prayer, the importance of prayer. We'll take that truth, that principle, and then we will apply it with a challenge. So with every truth comes a challenge. And I'm telling you, the challenge is probably going to be something you've always considered too hard to do. But we're going to push through that. Outside the comfort zone. We're going to try to grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. You with me? So today's challenge, are you ready? You promise you won't leave when I put it up on the screen? Okay. You'll stay. You'll hear me out. You'll, you'll let me explain it before you say, I'm not doing that. Okay. Raise your hand. Promise. You're not leaving. Okay. Promise. All right. Here's today's challenge. You're going to learn to pray out loud with others. Usher, stop them at the door. Stop them. Don't stop them. Praying out loud. Don't freak out. Let's try it. Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. Says this. It's a verse you know. Jesus is speaking. He says this. I tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask... My Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together in my name, there I am with them. That's a beautiful promise. It's a promise about prayer. And what does it say? Where two or three. Isn't that interesting? Have you ever thought about that? It's a verse about praying together. And there's a beautiful promise that comes with praying together. Now, I will be the first to say that praying together doesn't necessarily mean that you have to pray out loud. You can pray with other people and not necessarily voice your prayer. I will grant you that, and I encourage you to do a lot of that. For wherever two or three are gathered in my name, Jesus says, there I am with them. So, so pray with people, even if you're not leading the prayer, or even if you're not praying out loud, still understand there's something about praying with people. Learn to do that. I will also say right from the start that that praying out loud is is not necessary. It's not necessary for salvation, and you can probably live your whole life and never say a prayer out loud. I'm not trying to make something obligatory, something necessary, that the Bible doesn't make necessary. I I don't see a place where it says, you got to pray out loud. I'm not saying that. I'm I'm not saying that. It's not necessary, however... We're talking about something today that is very, very beneficial. 
Do you know the difference between necessary and beneficial? It is not necessary that you learn to drive a car. It is beneficial because the rest of us ain't going to drive your tail around forever. You you understand? It's not necessary, but it is beneficial. It's, It's not necessary that you learn to swim, but it's certainly beneficial to know how. Ask Kenton Powell. Kenton Powell's never learned to swim. He went out to Florida, was going to do those parasailing things, which doesn't look like swimming at all. It's, it's flying up there on a parachute, you know, and Kenton's all about that. He's not afraid to fly through the air. He's afraid of water. So understand, the parasail comes down in the water at a boat, and then after that, you know, the ride's over, and so the guy says, okay, swim on back to the dock. The guy tells Kenton Powell, swim back to the dock. Kenton says, I can't. And the guy says, we'll do it. Kenton says, you understand, I can't, you you understand? So Kenton Powell, it was never necessary to learn to swim, but at some moment in his life, it's beneficial to know how. You know, he's lucky he's not still sitting out there somewhere in Florida, I mean, in the life jacket, because the parasol dude wasn't helping him, you understand? It's not necessary, it is beneficial. And praying out loud with others falls into that category. I'm not saying it's necessary, but I'm saying it's very, very beneficial, very beneficial. The scripture promises us that that there is this promise, this greater promise of Christ's presence and his provision when we pray together. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, he says, there I am with them. It's a special promise of his presence. He's not saying that he's not with you when you're praying by yourself, but he has this special promise that when you gather with even one other person, one or two other people, he's there in a special way. There's a special promise of his presence and a special promise of his provision. If two of you agree, touching one thing, agreeing together in my name, then I will do it for you, he says. It's a special promise of his presence and a special promise of his provision when we pray together. You see that? So it's not necessary, but it's very beneficial. And if you are not able or not willing to pray out loud with others, I'm just wanting you to understand that you're missing something. You're missing something of the richness of your Christian life. There is something here for you, and you don't understand it, and and you've never experienced it. But I'm saying that you could, if you would be willing to go in this direction, just learn to pray out loud with others. I'm not saying you have to come up in front of the church and take a microphone. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying with maybe one other person, probably your husband, your wife, maybe your friend, maybe in small groups sometime when somebody needs to to voice a prayer, just asking you to become able to do that. There is a special promise and there are special benefits for you in your Christian life if you were able to do this. That's all I'm saying. So why don't we pray out loud? Why is it so hard? Well, like you need me to tell you, what is the number one reason? Fear. Fear. What are y'all afraid of? Why are you afraid to pray out loud? What are you afraid of? Sounding stupid? Yeah, you don't want to sound stupid, and I am like that, I promise you. Even though I run my mouth and I pray out loud all the time, I still don't want to sound stupid, and I often do. I say stupid things when I pray out loud. And the minute I say something stupid, then the voice in my head starts saying, that was dumb. Like I'll be praying, I say, oh, Jesus, we just want to thank you for Jesus. And I think, dummy, you just thank Jesus for Jesus. 
I'm thinking, man, you're so dumb. Why did you say that? And everybody in the room thinks you're dumb. Or I'm praying for somebody, and in the middle of praying for them, I forget their name. So I said, Lord Jesus, I'm just asking you to bless Hector, and I'm still praying, but my, the voice man starts saying, Hector? Who in the world is Hector? You don't know a Hector? There's not a Hector in this whole church. There's probably not a Hector in the state of Kentucky. Hector? But I've done said Hector. So again, my voice, I, I'm still praying, you know, out loud, but the voice in my head is going, you're the dumbest idiot that's ever said a prayer out loud. I mean, I, I, I get that. I guess it's related to the fear of public speaking. How many of you are just afraid to speak, afraid to talk out loud in front of people? Fear of public speaking. Raise your hands. Yeah, some of you have a fear of raising your hand too. Uh, fear of public speaking. In surveys for years and years and years, fear of public speaking, the, the, I think the technical word for that is glossophobia, which is hilarious, glossophobia. Uh, there's so many glossophobics in the world. It's just afraid of public speaking. Public speaking is still the number one fear uh, in the United States. What is the number two fear? Death. Isn't that funny? People are more afraid of talking in front of people than dying, which means that every funeral I've ever preached, everybody in the audience would rather trade place with the dude in the casket <laughs> than to trade places with the dude behind the pulpit. You see that? I mean, that's the truth. People are more afraid of public speaking than, than death because you think you'd die if you have to talk in front of people. And sometimes praying out loud feels like talking in front of people. You, you feel like people are going to listen. And, and, and that is just a very, very frightening thing, which leads to this one, embarrassment. It's just afraid of being embarrassed. That embarrassment comes with self-consciousness. And as I said, even when I'm praying out loud, and I've been doing this for years and years and years, but I become very self-conscious sometimes. There's something about prayer. It's very personal. That's what some of you would say to me. You say, Brother Tim, prayer is personal. And the reason I don't pray out loud is because it's personal. And I understand that it's personal. It's very personal. To pray with another person is a very, very intimate act. I recognize that perhaps more than any of you. It's an intimate act. You are sharing a part of yourself. You're bearing a part of your soul that would not ordinarily be seen at all. And that can make you feel exposed. It can make you feel very, very self-conscious. That's why even though I'm praying with, with the voice that comes out of my mouth, there's a voice in my head that continues to tell me that, that, that I'm dumb, that that didn't sound right, that other people are probably thinking that I'm stupid, that I don't pray like other people. It's just this embarrassment that comes with self-consciousness, and you have to get past that. Just because the voice in your head tells you that you're doing something dumb doesn't mean you're doing something dumb understand? But embarrassment and self-consciousness, those, those things are real. I, I would throw this one out, professionalism. I don't have a better word for this, but the bottom line is most of you come to church and you go to a small group and you hear other people pray. You hear professionals pray. You hear me pray, and I'm a pastor. I've been to seminary. I got a PhD in praying, people. Not, not really. Um, but, but you just assume that, that somehow there are professionals and they pray very, very beautiful prayers. You just call on them and out it just rolls like poetry. And, and you don't feel like that and you don't think that you're that person. And therefore, you don't feel adequate to pray out loud in front of others. 
I, I don't know how to communicate this to you, but there's no such thing as a professional in prayer. We are all beginners in, in praying. And even as we encourage one another to learn to pray out loud, we're not encouraging you to pray like somebody else. That, that would not be at all what we're asking you to do. One day, a man in our church prayed a very beautiful prayer, a, a beautiful prayer. And when somebody does something awesome, I love to brag to their kids about them. It's just one of my habits. So I, his son was in the hallway later. I said, man, I loved your father's prayer. That was the most beautiful prayer I've ever heard. And that was honestly, it was a gorgeous prayer. And the kid said, I've heard that prayer a million times. <laughs> Good. Good. I'm glad that that young man heard that father pray that prayer a million times. I hope that in the time that's passed since then, he's heard it a million more times. Don't you understand, Father, Dad, that God can use in, in your children's lives that stumbling, stammering prayer of yours, the, the dumb one, where you thank Jesus for Jesus and all of that kind of stuff. God will use that in your children's life more powerfully than the prayer of any preacher, any poet, any evangelist, any profession. Understand that there are no professionals, and it is not that your prayer has to sound like somebody else's. Don't, don't let this fear of inadequacy somehow keep you from doing what you need to do. This one, now this one's important. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Let's go there together. Matthew chapter 6. Years ago when I was music uh, minister here at Woodburn, I had a fellow named Boots Hopper. I love Boots. Boots came to Christ late in his life, late as in probably after he was 80 years old or so. So Boots was brand new to everything, but he jumped in, jumped in uh, with, with both feet to his faith. And he was reading the Bible, and he would come to choir practice every Sunday night. And at the end of choir practice, we would always close in prayer, and we pray out loud together. And Boots at one point became very, very concerned about that because of this passage, Matthew chapter 6. This is the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is teaching on prayer. And Boots read this, and Boots wanted to make sure that he was applying this scripture appropriately in his life. And some of you were thinking, well, well didn't Jesus say something about not praying out loud? Didn't Jesus say, go into your closet? Let's, uh, let's look at what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 6, let's start with verse 5. When you pray... Don't be like the, say the word, hypocrites, okay? So don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they'll ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. Seems plain enough, doesn't it? When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again and again. Don't be like them. For your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. So pray like this. Our father in heaven, 
May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Stop there. What does Jesus say? Or exactly what is he trying to to guard us against? What Jesus is, is preaching against here is praying for show. Some people pray for show, that they make sure that when they pray, people are listening. The only time they may pray is when they think somebody's listening. Understand, they're praying for show. When they pray, they're not talking to God, they're talking to people. They want to be heard. That's why they pile on the words and they pile on the pretty words. They look for five-syllable words. They want to pray a prayer so when it's over, everybody will say, that was the prettiest prayer I've ever heard prayed. And Jesus says, if all you're in for is to have somebody compliment your prayers, then you'll get that, but that's all you'll get. You understand? The only thing you'll get out of your prayer is a pleasure in knowing that somebody was impressed by it, but Jesus was not impressed. Understand? So when I'm praying, talking to Jesus, I want to pray the way Jesus wants to be prayed to. Understand? And this is what Jesus is saying here. You don't pray for show. You you pray to Jesus. It's it's a private thing. You're, You're talking to God. Jesus would say, use plain words and keep it short. Jesus doesn't have anything else to do but listen to your prayer. But even Jesus says, listen, don't take all day. Keep it short. Keep the language simple. There's, there's no kind of award here for going long or, or going deep and beautiful. You just pray like you pray. You just use plain words, Jesus says. And he does say that prayer is a private thing. You need to be able to go alone and pray. You need the richness of a private prayer life. Jesus says that. The reason some of you don't pray in public, don't pray with others, is honestly, you don't pray by yourself. You're just not practiced in this. It's not that you don't know how to pray out loud. You don't know how to pray. And the reason you don't know how to pray is because you don't pray. If you practiced prayer more, you would become a little more fluent in the language of prayer. It wouldn't feel so awkward. Your problem isn't that you don't know how to pray in front of other people. You don't know how to pray. You don't know how to pray in front of yourself. So Jesus says, this is where prayer begins, in your closet. Go where nobody can see you, where nobody's listening but God, and you just get used to talking to God. And you use simple, plain language. You don't have to pray like anybody else. It's not a a record to see how long you can make this last. You just empty out your heart before him with words. Do you understand? That's what Jesus says. But that's not all he says. Look, when he says pray like this, he gives us, we call it the Lord's Prayer. It's a model prayer. But notice the language of the model prayer. Pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us. So so all of the sudden when Jesus gives us a model prayer, the model prayer is a, a prayer to be prayed with others. Do you see that? It's not my Father in heaven, give me this day, it's our, it's us, it's ours. Do you understand? It's a prayer for praying with others. So obviously Jesus expects that our prayer life will involve both praying by ourselves and praying with others. It's the expectation. You're going to do some of both. So learn to do some of both. Let's start practically. Number one, start by praying out loud when you're alone. I've just said that. Start by praying out loud when you're alone. 
Some of you don't do that. You always pray in your head. And you're one of those people that says, you know, I struggle in prayer because I get so distracted. You'll get less distracted if you pray out loud. You're praying in your head, and in your head there's all kinds of stuff going on. In your head, you're going over the grocery list, and in your head, you're thinking about what time soccer practice is over to pick up the kids, and in your head, you're thinking that the season premiere of Walking Dead starts tonight, and so all of a sudden, you're not praying at all because there's just a mess in your head. If you would begin to pray out loud, even when you're alone, just pray out loud, you'll find that your prayer will be more focused. You'll be able to follow the track of your own prayer because you'll hear the words. Those words aren't silently mixed with all the other jumble of words in your head. So even when you're by yourself, pray out loud. And let me just say this, uh, in the ancient world, everybody prayed out loud even when they were by themselves. Praying silently is a new thing. I know you think I'm crazy. But in the ancient world, people didn't pray to themselves. In the Bible, people didn't necessarily pray silently. Everybody prayed out loud all the time. That's just the way they prayed. So in the Bible, there's just this assumption that prayer is out loud. I'll give you an example. Remember in the book of 1 Samuel when Hannah is brokenhearted because she wants a child so desperately. So where does Hannah go? To the temple to pray. She goes to the temple to pray. And there in the temple is Eli. He's a priest. He probably sees people pray every day, all day, all year long. All right? But when he gets to Hannah that day, Hannah's doing something weird. You read the scripture? What's she doing? Her lips are moving, but no words are coming out, and Eli's never seen that happen. So what does he think? Oh, she's praying. And what does he think? She's drunk. She's drunk. Yeah, that girl's drunk. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Eli didn't know what somebody was doing when they were praying silently. Even in the ancient world, people didn't read silently. They read out loud. When the Ethiopian eunuch is going down the road in his chariot reading, he's reading out loud so Philip's able to hear what he's reading. You understand? It's a world very different from ours. It's sort of a modern invention to, to do these things in our minds. So the biblical assumption is that everybody's going to pray out loud. I'm not saying you always have to, but I'm saying there's nothing weird about it. And it's probably a pretty good practice. If you're afraid to pray out loud with others, start by praying out loud when you're by yourself. Try it this week. Uh, number two, pray out loud with your spouse and your children. Pray out loud with your spouse and your children. You're saying, but I'm never going to get up in church and lead in prayer. Uh, okay. But you got to pray with your family. You, you got to pray with your husband. You got to pray with your wife. You, you got to pray with each other. What? 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 You're too embarrassed to pray in front of your own spouse. I've seen you two make out in the back seat of the car at 31W Drive-In all over. You know, you're not embarrassed. You know, what do you mean you're too afraid to let the other person hear your praying voice? That's, that's the devil. Understand that? That's the devil clouding your mind, keeping you from the very thing that would make you and your marriage grow. You have to pray with your wife, husband. You're the pastor of your family. I may be the pastor of this church, but you're the pastor of your family. And, and if you don't even know how to pray out loud with your wife, with your children, you're not fulfilling your duty as the man of the house. 
You're the pastor of your family. You got to pray with this woman. She needs to hear your praying voice. I'm telling you, I said that prayer is personal, and it is. And there's a side of your soul that's exposed when you pray, and it's true. And I love to pray with my wife, Casey. I love the sound of her praying voice. It's beautiful. When she talks to God, number one, I know that she talks to God regularly, and I know that he hears her, and that's a beautiful thing. And sometimes when I pray with her, she prays for me, and I get to hear the way she prays for me. God help that idiot fool. No, not really. But I get to hear her praying for me. It's, it's a gorgeous thing. I want Casey to hear my praying voice and know my praying voice. I want her to know that I talk to the Father and that he hears me. And I want her to know that I talk to the Father for her. You need to pray with your spouse. When Jesus stepped before the tomb of Lazarus, remember what he did? He prayed out loud. And what did he say? God, I know you hear me. I know you could hear me if I didn't pray out loud, but I'm going to pray out loud right now because I want everybody else to know that you hear me. Understand? Jesus prayed out loud for the benefit of others. He wanted them to know that he talks to the Father and that the Father hears him. Your children need to know that you talk to the Father and that he hears you. Your children need to know the sound of your praying voice. Brother Tim, you don't understand. When I pray, I get all nervous. Well, just get nervous and pray with your kids. They're kids. What are they, three? What are you, 40? You afraid of a three-year-old kid? You're going to be embarrassed in front of a four-year-old kid? It would be much more embarrassing to stand before God one day and realize that you never, ever really taught your children to pray. Perhaps the reason that praying out loud with others is uncomfortable for you is because nobody ever did that with you. I'm saying make it normal for your kids. Let them hear you pray out loud every day of their lives so when it comes their time, it won't be strange for them. Mom, dad, pray with your kids so that one day when they have your grandkids, they'll be praying with those grandkids and it won't be something they've got to learn on their own. Teach them now while they're young. Understand, I'm not talking about praying up on the stage at church. I'm not talking about a Billy Graham crusade where you get to get in the microphone and go, our heavenly father, 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 father. I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm saying at home. With your kids, with others, learn to pray out loud. Okay, here's a practical thing, and I am so guilty. Y'all can all say, Brother Tim, you're the worst one, and I'm the worst one. Talk to God. When you're praying out loud, still talk to God. You got others in mind. You know they're listening, so don't start praying stupid. You know, don't start confessing your sins, and everybody's just going. You know, I mean, people are still listening. So you pray with others in mind. That word amen that everybody uses at the end of their prayer these days, that word amen, it's a biblical word. You ever thought about what it means? Amen does not mean like if you're ending a telephone conversation and you say bye-bye. Amen is not like bye-bye. You know, it's not like over and out, but we use it like that, like it's just a period to our prayers. But amen is a biblical word. It's a word that comes from praying with others. And the word literally means truly, or I agree with that. So the idea is when I would pray out loud, you would say amen. You would add your amen. It's a way of saying, yes, Lord, I agree with that. Yes, Lord. That's what I would say. Yes, Lord, what he said. What he said. Amen just simply means that. It's a way of voicing agreement. It's a way of entering into 
into the prayer of somebody else. So, so recognize that. We talk to God, but we talk to, him and talk to God in such a way that we assume that other people could add their amen. When I'm leading in prayer at church, I don't necessarily pray a personal prayer. I try to voice a prayer that everybody could add their amen to. I talk to God with listeners in mind when I'm doing it right. But y'all know me, man. I've been your pastor 20 years. Sometimes at the end of a sermon, I said, let's pray. And then I remember like the third point of the sermon that I forgot when I was preaching. And I remember it when we're praying. So y'all heard me do it. All of a sudden, I start preaching again. But we're praying. So I try to say God's name a lot. So now I'm preaching to God. But really, I'm talking to y'all. You ever had your mama do this too? It's like mama saying prayers with you before bed, but it's been an awful day. So mom starts praying, Jesus, just help these kids learn to get along. Help this, help my son learn to clean his room. Help him not to want to live in filth. You understand? When you start doing that, you're not talking to God anymore. Lord Jesus, just pray when my son ever finds a wife, she won't hate me for never teaching him how to pick up his shorts. You understand? <laughs> you're not talking to God, mama. You know, you're, you're talking to them. Uh, you got to keep it straight. Keep it straight. Talk to God. Prayer is talking to God, but, but with listeners in mind. Last thing, just pray the way you pray. Don't be trying to pray like somebody else. My father, I've heard him pray all of my life, and it's one of the blessings of my life to have heard his praying voice every day. My father prays like a King James Bible. My father has these and thou's and thine's. It's beautiful. And my dad, you know, prays thou shalt and, and, and God may you. It's this beautiful kind of old Shakespearean English. That's his praying voice, and it's beautiful. Man, I don't need to be trying to do that. I would be learning a language that is foreign to me, and it would be distracting. It wouldn't be me praying from my heart anymore. It'd be me trying to pray from somebody else's heart. You understand? My dad has that beautiful prayer language. I don't have that. I've learned just to pray the way I pray. I want to pray like I pray. You just pray like you pray. It won't be like your father. It won't be like other people at church. We may never heard anything like it by the time you're done, but honestly... You're talking to God, and we're going to try to add our amen to that. It doesn't matter if it's poetic. The words don't have to rhyme. It just needs to be honest. So the challenge this week, pray out loud with somebody. Maybe the place for you to start is with yourself. Maybe this week, set some time aside to pray every single day. Find a private place and you go and you talk out loud to God. You may find that it helps your mind focus. You may find that it helps you follow your own prayer a little more clearly. Pray out loud with yourself. Start there. Then if you've got family, husband, wife, children, pray with them. Mealtime's a good place to start. At least pray at mealtime. Every single time you sit down to eat, make that your practice. You're going to pray out loud together. Take turns praying out loud so everybody gets used to doing this. It's not essential, but it's very beneficial. Learn to pray out loud. Do it at mealtime and then go past that. Grow past that. Get to the point where you're able as husband and wife to pray together. Make that a normal thing. It shouldn't be a weird thing. She needs to know the sound of your praying voice. He needs to know the sound of your praying voice. Pray together. What do you mean? 
pray together. But pray with your children. Make that a habit. Let them know that you talk to God and you talk to God and God listens and you talk to God for them and about them. Let them hear the way you pray for them. Just pray with your children out loud. They need to hear that. They need to hear that. Pray out loud with somebody this week. It might be a friend of yours who comes up and says, hey, would, would you pray for me? Do people do that at work? They know you're a Christian, and they sometimes say, would you pray for me? I, I know that you're a person who prays. Will you pray for me? Would you pray for my mother? Would you pray for my friend who has cancer? Would you pray for me? I, here's what I challenge you to do. Most of the time, you probably say, yeah, I will remember you in prayer. I will pray for you. And then sometimes you do, and sometimes you don't. Maybe this week when somebody says, hey, would you pray for me? Why don't you say, Let's pray right now. Maybe that'll happen this week. Maybe somebody will say, would you pray for me? And when they do, that's your cue. You say, let's pray right now. Will you say it? I dare you. I dare you. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, we don't have a lot of confidence in the way we pray. We don't put a lot of faith in our words. We can't put a whole lot of stock in our habits. Lord, if the praying gets its importance from us, Lord, then prayer is really not going to be a very promising endeavor. Because the beauty and power of prayer isn't from us, Lord God. It's not from the one who prays. The power is with the God who listens. You are the God who listens and speaks to us when we will be silent and listen. Oh, God, we try to pray. We fail at prayer. We get very self-conscious. We get very embarrassed. Sometimes we feel like the prayers just bounce back off the ceilings at us. We wonder if anybody's listening at all, Lord us just to find freedom in praying. Help us, Lord, to love being with you so much and, and to love the relationship with you that conversation with you just seems familiar and natural. Make it, Lord, that we love you so much that we just want to talk to you and with you. And make it that we love you so much and, and we love other Christians so much that praying together just becomes something that is no longer frightening, but something that actually becomes really rather important to us. You promised, Jesus, that whenever two or three of us would come together and agree and pray and ask for anything, that you'd do it. You promised that though you're with us always, when two or three of us get together, you're with us in a special way. Help us, Lord. Help us to grow in our praying. And in whatever way, Lord, we feel embarrassed or intimidated or inadequate, Lord, just help us to grow right on past that point. Help us not to stop growing and praying just at the point where it gets hard or the point, Lord, where we feel embarrassed or at the point, Lord, where we just want to give up, Lord. Help us not to give up, but to pray always honestly without ever ceasing. Make every breath a prayer. Lord, make every single day, everything we do, Lord, worship to you, Lord. May everything we do be in your sight, in your hearing. May our lives glorify you. But Lord God, 
We confess that we're really not much at praying, but we know that you're very, very good at listening. So Lord Jesus, hear our prayers. Hear our prayers. Pray these things in your precious name. Amen. Stand together. Altar's open if you wish to come forward and pray a prayer. If you have a public decision to make, I'm at the front to receive you. However the Lord is speaking to your heart, will you respond to him? Will you not say no to him? Even if he's asking you to do some hard thing, do that hard thing and see how he will stretch and grow you even now as we sing.